Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today is going to be a fun two-part series with Kevin Wilkie, the Marketing Development Director at Kuyu. And Kevin is known for being kind of an archery guru. He is a world-class archer, shot professionally for many, many years. And uh, it's always great to lean on his expertise. We're going to be answering a bunch of uh, podcast listener and Instagram follower questions about archery. Uh, so it's going to be really fun to dive into that. I want to thank you guys for your support of this podcast. Without you guys, it wouldn't be possible. I really appreciate interacting with you guys. If you want to send me a message, you can do so on Instagram at jscottoutdoors. Just send me a direct message. You can also send me an email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Guys, we're kind of mid-June here. Uh, we're, all of us are gearing up uh, for these fall hunts. We've got July and August to kind of prepare. Uh, a bunch of these hunts will start in August. Uh, and then, of course, we've got you know our elk seasons, uh, which will be pretty much running through the month of September. So it's an exciting time of year. Uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming for you guys here on the podcast. I want to thank the following sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. My friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, he is the optics authority. He's the optics manager over at GoHunt.com gear shop. If you guys have any interest in purchasing any optics, anything to do with glassing, tripods, binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, rangefinders, you name it, give Cody a call at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. You can also email him directly at optics at gohunt.com. Also, his cell phone is 602-399-3699. You can shoot him a text or call him on his cell. Uh, he loves to talk glassing, loves to talk optics, so give Cody a call. Uh, also want to tell you guys about the Go Hunt Insider. Go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott to sign up. You're going to get a $50 Go Hunt gear shop uh, gift card just for signing up. Uh, gohunt.com has quickly become the, the resource and the place uh, for all of the information in regards to western hunting applications, uh, draw odds, statistics. Here we are waiting on the Arizona um, draw for Arizona sheep. Uh, and it's an exciting time. Uh, go check out Go Hunt Insider. Go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and sign up. Uh, I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Obviously, I'm doing this podcast with Kevin Wilkie. And uh, Kuyu has been a big part of this podcast. It's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. Go to Kuyu.com. That's K-U-I-U.com to order directly. It's a direct-to-consumer model. Uh, so you can get everything on the website. And I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code to get a 10% discount on all orders. Guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope you enjoy these two episodes with Kevin Wilkie. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Kevin Wilkie of Kuyu. He's the Marketing Development Director. How are you doing, Kevin? Fantastic. Having Look, a good day so far. You know, we had such great response from our podcast, our Q&A Archery podcast that uh, we did with you oh about a month ago. I, I needed to get you back on here and everybody's, you know, gearing up and finding out about the draws and uh, getting all fired up for the fall season. Everyone's, you know, tuning their bows and, you know, buying new bows and getting everything dialed in. So I thought this was a perfect time to kind of jump back in and, and answer a bunch of archery related questions. Um, before we do that, right before the podcast we went live, you were talking about not drawing Wyoming and kind of bummed out about that. It sounds like the point creep got you. Yeah, uh, the last three years I thought I'd have a chance and um, I'm sitting on seven points right now. And um, yeah, last year seven was 100% and this year it wasn't. So I have a good friend, uh, he drew with seven. And if I would have gone like the high dollar tag, I would have been okay. But my, so last year, my brother and I put in together, he has one more point than I do and we didn't draw. So I thought, well, let's just do it separate this year. And he drew and I didn't, but we probably would have been okay if we had gone together. But 
anyway, it'll be fun to help him. And, um, but yeah, always next year. Kevin, we talked a little bit about your background on the last podcast, but for those that haven't listened to that, uh, talk about, uh, not only your hunting, um, you know, background with the, with bow and archery equipment, but you know, your competitive shooting, uh, and your expertise in tuning bows and, you know, shooting competitively and, and how that's kind of got you to where you're at now. Talk a little bit about that background. Yeah. So I, you know, I started, um, competing in archery at a young age, just at the local 3d ranges when 3d in Utah was getting popular or just 3d period was started getting popular in the nineties, early nineties. And, um, yeah, so I, I grew up at the archery range and we bow hunted as a family. And, uh, my first real job was at the archery shop. Uh, and I, I, I managed an archery shop in Utah for like six years. And then, uh, while I was doing that, I was, I was hitting every match and 3d suit I could go to. And, uh, and then I went to work for Hoyt and I worked there for about 10 years. And at the time I was our pro staff manager um, and I would oversee like a whole pro team that, that would compete. And I was also competing at the same time. So, you know, I would be going to these events competing and also working our, the trade show booth there for Hoyt. Um, and then I worked for gold tip and bee stinger archery for about four years as a sales rep. So switched from a marketing role to sales role. And I did that. Yeah, for four years, and I've been with Kuyu now for a little over a year, uh, back into a marketing position. So, anyway, th- my work experience has kind of paralleled my my shooting um, along the line, and you know, the, I I've competed on the U.S. World Team um, two times. I've made the team three times. I didn't go the last time, and my son was born like as they blew the whistle for the World Championships to start. I was I was at the hospital with my wife, of course. And, um, but anyway, yeah, the, the other two, um, uh, world teams that I made, uh, I won a gold medal at the world games, uh, that was held in Taiwan. The world games are held like every year after the Olympics or they're managed by the same governing body that manages the Olympics. And so it's, it's kind of like the little brother to the Olympics and field archery was one of the sports there and won a gold medal doing that. And, uh, the next year I, or the next time I made the team was for the world championships. And we shot that in Hungary and ended up with a silver medal there. And, you know, besides that, I've, I've competed around the nation and state levels. And, you know, I've, I've racked up quite a few podium finishes over the years. And I, I wasn't like, there was a, a handful of guys that were just cream of the crop, but I was always at their heels nipping at them and, you know, working a full-time job and raising a family at the same time. And, competing against guys that are doing it full time as a living. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty tough sport to be, you know, to get to the top end. And I did, I did that for a while and kind of taking a step back at this time and just enjoying archery and hunting more and mainly just shooting local tournaments and, you know, whatever national tournaments are here in the West. So, but yeah, man, I love working on bows and shooting them and everything that goes anything that goes along with bow hunting, man, I'm, I'm all about it. That's awesome. And yeah, I got so much great feedback from the last podcast and the knowledge that you have. So I'm excited to go through some of these questions today. We've got a bunch of questions here on bow strings. Uh, so we're going to kind of, uh, make this part of the, uh, podcast about bow strings because there's just a bunch of questions. I think you had some stuff you also wanted to cover as well. So I thought that would be a perfect kind of uh, transition here into our Q&A. So let's just dive into it. Yeah. And to offer up a little background on, you know, strings, like I I started building my own bow strings when I was like 10, 11 years old. Like my brother and I made a jig and we, we started building strings from, you know, early age. And while I worked at the pro shop, I built strings for the shop. Um, and I was always just looking for that extra edge as a competitor. Like I could just always make them a little bit better than what you could buy them. And then my experience of working at Hoyt where we, you know, we build thousands of bow strings and, you know, being involved in that testing process. So very passionate about it. I still today in my little archery shop, personal archery shop, I've got, 
like every tool under the sun to work on a bow and you've got some real high-end bowstring building equipment here just for kind of like me and family and friends um i don't really sell them but man i they're they're it's just fun it's like a guy that ties his own flies you know really passionate about it i'm i'm that way with my bow strings that's awesome a question here from uh liver's edge he says when or how often should you replace your bow strings Great question. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are looking for X amount of shots equals when you should replace. But realistically, you could wear out a bowstring in five shots, and you can have them last um, tens of thousands of shots. Uh, the so how often you should replace is it's not like you know getting your oil changed every three thousand miles kind of thing. Like it's you really just have to pay attention to how they look. Um, there's a lot of visual indicators as to whether a string is worn. I look at the servings. You know, the serving is the protective wrap that goes around the, fi the string fibers. And you'll find that serving on sections around the cams, roller guard, and where your, your arrow clicks onto the string. That, that protective wrap is a serving. So what I look for is separation. Um, or it'll get flattened out. Like you'll see that it just starts unraveling. Um, you know, a, a bow with, with improper cam alignment, you know, will wear out a string way quicker than a bow with really good alignment. Same thing like tires on your car. Like you, you have a, a set of 50,000 mile tires, but if your front end's out of alignment, you know, you're going to wear them out really quick. So strings are kind of similar in that aspect that, um, those servings can wear out kind of quick if, if your cams are out of alignment. Um, the next thing I look at are the, the individual fibers. You know, the one, so each bowstring is made up of, um, depending on the material, anywhere from like 24 to 32 strands of one material, um, sometimes two different colors, but it's all kind of the same material. And each one of those um, individual strands has hundreds of, fibers that make up one strand and in their manufacturing process those those bundles or the the single strand bundle is kind of waxed and held together um now as your your string wears like typically what wears down those fibers is is contact or friction um so that that contact can come from like as you're hiking you're walking down the trail and your bow strings, you're holding your bow in your hand and you're, you're kind of walking along and your bow strings rubbing back and forth on your pant leg. Like I, I can pick that a mile away. It's usually on one side of the bow string. You can tell um, what hand the guy carries his bow in by what side of the string's super fuzzy. Um, or when you strap your bow to a backpack, you know, if it's, if your straps are rubbing on those strings, it'll wear them out super quick. Um, waxing the string surprisingly is like will make a string go fuzzy really quick um i know this is like a super controversial topic like you, my take on string care is a little different than others but let's say like here in utah and i know Arizona, some of these western states are quite dry and dusty well let's, let's say you take a some bowstring wax and smear it down the side of your your nice paint on your pickup truck we'll go drive around on a dirt road for a week and and see what happened like what's going to happen to that wax there's going to be dust cake to it yeah it's just going to get dust cake to it so imagine your bowstrings being like that and then so what do you do you apply more wax over the top of it so you're rubbing those grit and fiber imagine what would happen to your paint finish if you were to take your fingers and, and rub it in rub all that sand and grit back into the finish it'll scratch it that that's what it's going to break down those fibers um and then so if, let's say you wipe all that wax off and then reapply new wax it's just still even even removing that wax um just the and then rubbing your fingers up and down your bowstring it it breaks down those fibers now most people will look at a bowstring and they'll see that it's fuzzy and immediately their first reaction is like you need to wax that string well the wax doesn't fix anything like 
all it does is lay those fibers down. Those those fibers are broken, discontinued pieces of the bowstring, and, and so they fuzz up. So the, the wax doesn't magically reconnect them. It just lays them back down and makes them look pretty, but you haven't done anything to add to the strength of the bowstring. Um, so me personally, like, I never wax my bowstrings, ever. Like, when I, as I'm going through my building process um, of building the string, a lot of the wax gets stripped off. I'll burnish them one time. Um, and when I say burnish, I'll wrap like a really soft Dacron piece of material around the string, and I'll just kind of pull it tight and then slide it down the string really gently. And it just lays everything down nice, tight into a bundle. And then I'll never wax them again. I'll if I need if they do collect a little bit of dust, which is normal, I'll take a kind of like a wet wipe or something. Not a super. You just want something really gentle that you can wipe the string off and keep it clean. Um, but anyway, that's a lot of that's a lot of info all at once about how often to change your bowstrings. But um, it, it just it, it depends on how how well how good of a job you can do at not letting them brush up against things and and how well and it's like like anything you know if you if you're dragging it through the brush and um yeah it, it'll it'll wear out really quick you had early on you were kind of talking about the materials what are bowstring what materials are used to make bowstrings Great question. Uh, so the individual fibers are typically a Dyneema um, blend. So the so you got two different types. So two core types. There are three manufacturers that they make bowstring materials. If if there's more than that, I forget them. I apologize. So you got BCY, uh, Brownell, and then Bloodline. Um, so if you look at all three of those manufacturers, they make basically two core types of string material. You've got a 100% Dyneema. Now, Dyneema is it's a it's used in a lot of different applications. So, like, uh, it's it's number one application would be on like um, sailor like like sailboats and ships. Like all the ropes that they use, they're made out of Dyneema. So, they're they're it's a, the material like I want to say it's like 20 times stronger than steel. Um, it it wears really well. Like it's it doesn't a, require is it a natural fiber or is it a synthetic? No, it's fiber? a it's a a UWHMPE like a polypropylene. I'm, I'm probably butchering it. Like I'd have to look at it to know exactly what it is, but it's a synthetic material. Okay. Um, apologize for all you guys that really know your stuff about that kind of thing. Like it, I've I've like learned about it at times, but it's like not one of those things that's on the tip of my tongue all the time. Um, but it's a synthetic material. And, you know, it's impervious, meaning that, like, you get chemical on it, it, it won't, like, it doesn't actually need the wax to, for lubrication or anything. Like, it, it's fine just without it. So, like, at Kuyu, we use Dyneema in our backpacks. Like, the bags is a Dyneema blend. So, we don't ever wax our, our backpacks to have them hold together. Like, it, it, it's just not necessary for the Dyneema. Um, and so the other material that, that those three manufacturers use um, are also, it's a Dyneema blended with a Vectran. Um, so the Vectran blended materials are like your 452X that I'm sure anybody that's ever looked into bowstrings um, have heard. Uh, Vectran, is, it's really an abrasive material, but it's super strong and it doesn't stretch. So they put a little bit of that into each fiber and that's what gives it it's no creep or no stretch um so the i guess the, you're probably wondering like what are the pros and cons of both so a 100 percent dyneema bowstring um is really soft on the shot they're really quiet uh but if you happen to go with like a lower grade of the material it seems to want to stretch out a lot over time like it'll just continue to stretch and stretch but some of the the later version, like the most recent versions, of like, and everybody kind of calls it a different name, but like the SK99s are like the highest end grade of Dyneema you can get right now. Um, I've had really good luck with them. Super quiet. They, they don't seem to stretch much. They have a little bit more elasticity to them than, than like a Vectran blend. Um, 
and the and they're really durable. So the upside to a Vectran blended material is that um, they just don't stretch, man. Like once you get them settled in and shot in, like hot day, cold day, whatever, like they don't move. But they typically don't last as long because that Vectran is very abrasive. And it also will make your bow a little bit louder since it doesn't have as much stretch or suspension to it, I guess. Um, they, they're, it's just a little bit harder on the string. So they, they, I, in my experience, they haven't lasted as long as like a 100% Dyneema blend. Explain to people why your bowstring stretching is a problem. Great point. So, um, on some bows, it's, it's a bigger problem than others. Like single cam bows, bows, like, like not really many companies are even building a single cam anymore, but so the center of a single cam bowstring is like at the top of the wheel. So when, when something stretches out, it stretches from the center outward, right? So with your knocking point and your, your D loop and your peep not being centered on the string, when they, when that string stretches or elongates, um, your, your peep and your, your D loop and everything will change its position. So that changes the tune of the bow and also your sight settings, your sight marks will completely change. Um, on a bow that's not a single cam, it's still a problem. Like let's say your, your string started out at 55 and a half inches and then it, it grew a half inch. Your draw length of course is going to be longer and it's, it'll gain poundage. So you, your your bow got is sped up on you, so that's that'll also change your sight marks and your sight settings. Uh, if your cables stretch, and they typically don't stretch at the same rate of shooting string versus a, a cable on the bow, um, if your cables stretch, your your cams can go out of sync. It can all, you can also lose poundage. So if a cable stretches, your poundage goes down, draw length gets shorter, and they don't all do it at the same rate. So, um, yeah, it's just, you can take a perfectly sighted in, tuned bow, all the string stretch, everything changes. Uh, question here from Pick 6 Outdoors. Is there a better string for longer draw lengths, or is it a universal application? Uh, they're not really specific to draw length. Um, there are quite a few specifics. It kind of depends on the, the manufacturer and uh, brand of the bow and the cam type, but... Typically, like when you look at, yeah, it wouldn't matter on draw length. Like, if a guy's got a long draw length, he's still going to go with the same. Um, it would be the same type of string as it would be on a shorter, same model on a shorter draw length. They would they would share a similar type of string, even though his cams may be bigger for a longer draw length. It it, it wouldn't. There's not like a size specific. Um, per your draw length for it. But uh, well, the one thing that is really crucial is like the diameters. So for it, for the string to be able to fit into the tracks, they've got to be the exact diameter. If they're too small, cause excessive vibration. If they're larger in diameter, they're going to wear out quicker because they're getting jammed up against the cable track or the cam tracks. Um, if your center serving is too large in diameter, the knocks don't fit on very well. Uh, a good rule of thumb if, if your knocks um, are too tight, which can cause some crazy tuning issues. Like I've had bows absolutely not tuned because the knocks were too tight because the center servings were too large in diameter. Um, but I, most knock manufacturers um, shoot for like a, a diameter of 0.112. So if you got a pair of calipers and you can measure, that's what it should measure. But a good rule of thumb to know if, if they're the right size is you should be able to snap your arrow onto the string, and it should be able to hang up, hang on the string by its own weight. So let's say your bow's pointed at the ground and you knock your arrow on, the the tension of the knock should hold the the arrow on the string. However, if you pull the string back like a half an inch and let it go, it should pluck right off the string. So if you don't have calipers, you don't have a way of measuring. You just want a good rule of thumb snap them on there should be able to hold its own weight um 
And then if you should be able to pull the string back half inch and kind of pluck the string and it should fire the arrow off. Kevin, I've got a question here. Um, bowstring prices range so much. Is it directly related to the quality of materials within the bowstring? Uh, it can. Like some materials do do cost quite a bit more than others. So you've got the material cost to um, to build the string. And then also the labor or the time involved to build it. Um, like I don't sell my bowstrings, like so don't ask. <laughs> I love building them, but I, I like I'm not gonna I'm not here to try to pitch you my bowstrings or sell you on the way I'm doing it or just sell you the way I'm building bowstrings. But um, like, and some bows just cost more than others. Like um, some bows have as much as seven different bowstrings on on one bow. That's that's going to cost quite a bit more than you know, a bow that only takes three bow strings to string it together, or even a recurve that takes one. So, um, but let's say it's an apples to apples comparison. A guy's got brand X, Y, or Z or whatever, and he's trying to price them out. Yeah, you will see some fluctuation on prices between different builders. Um, a lot of it's the amount of serving they use or the materials or just their time involved and, and how much they think they're worth. Some guys are new in it and they're just hungry and they want to build strings and and make money on volume and some want to do it off of, so it's, it's just like anything in life. Like you're going to find, um, low ball string builders and you're going to find some really high end ones that you'll get what you pay for. Got a question so. here from Kyleg underscore Oh nine need my first replacement strings, best brands to look at. So when you're looking at brands, like I would, consult with who will be installing the string so if, you, if you're doing it yourself you, you have all the tools and equipment to work on your own bows man you can there that opens up a lot of options for you uh if you're working with your local archery shop you know i would they, they probably have relationships built with and, and people they're buying strings from or they may be building them themselves um i, I would probably go with what you know they recommend or what's working well for them building bowstrings isn't really that complicated. Like it, it, with a little bit of practice, like if you have all the right equipment, like you can build a really good string. Um, so there's not just one quality builder out there. There's a lot of them. Like I know, I mean, that, there's quite a few brands out there that I would, I would consider shooting their strings if I wasn't building my own. Um, and I have, I know a lot of guys that are like me that just build their own and they do fantastic work. So, um, I would, you know, I would start that path of choosing what to go with based off of who's going to be putting them on, um, and start there. Is it truly a function of, you know, who's putting it on could make all the difference in the world compared to if someone that didn't know what they're doing could put the great bowstring on and it's not going to make that much difference? Yeah, you, you look at a, a guy that knows his way around a bow, um, you know, when he, you know, the strings come from the manufacturer and they're clipped to the exact spec, you know, a, a good bow tech is still going to take those strings and unclip them and measure them before he puts them on. Um, now, the, the bow strings are, are what connect the bow together. They, they drive all of the, the factory specifications of a bow. So if you want your poundage to be on, if you want your draw length to be on your let off, um, all of the important specs on a bow are completely driven by the length of the bow strings. So a good bow technician will, will take the strings out of the package. They'll measure them first. And, and there's a certain way to measure them too. Like the ATA standard is on a quarter inch peg with 100 pounds of tension. And not everybody has the equipment to be able to measure them exactly. And so they're just kind of going on faith that the, that the guy that built the bowstring put everything where they're supposed to. But I, I see it all the time. Like um, my guys posting on forums or on, on social, like, Hey, my bow is, or I get a message from them. Like my bow is supposed to be 70 pounds and it's only going to 65. What could be wrong? Like I pretty much guarantee you it's the strings. Or if a guy has got a 70 pound bow and for some reason it's hitting 75 and the draw length's way off. And like, it's usually driven by the strings. So, um, I, I'm 
I'm really conscious to follow the manufacturer's, you know, recommended length. That said, I'm not afraid to throw a few extra twists in the string or let a couple out just to get my draw length just right. So, and you, and you can also do that with the cables. Um, you know, by adjusting the cables on bow, you can kind of fine tune things in, but, um, you know, if you get an unexperienced, uh, bow technician, that's working on your bow and, and they pull the strings out and they unravel or they untwist and they, they put, yeah, you're going to, the bow won't be likely at spec and it won't be as good as it could be. Let's talk about those twists. You talk about having, you know, too many twists, too little t- twists. Where is the, the happy medium in the twist of the bowstring? And why is that important? So if you look at a bowstring at the serve section, the protective wrap, then you have the exposed section that's, that doesn't have any the serving over the top of it. Now, as you twist those strings, um, the unserved section is going to take up most of the twist. So... Now, the serve section does twist up a little bit. It does tighten up. If you've got a, a bowstring that's like two colors and you serve it with white or yeah, white serving, it'll turn clear, and you'll see exactly what I mean when you twist up the string. You'll see that most of the twist goes outside of those servings. Now, let's say um, somebody was careless as they are putting the bowstring on and it came untwisted. You've got all the material is it has a certain twist rate under the serving and then outside of the serving, it's different. That string will spend the rest of its life trying to equalize to where it has the same twist rate throughout. And that's why a lot of the servings will come undone or they'll come become loose as you shoot the bow. Um, and it also makes your peep sight twist like mad. Um, so I, when I build my bow strings, I lay my servings on super tight, like almost to the point the thread would break as I'm laying them on and then backed off a little bit. I do that just for durability and consistency. So I don't have as much leeway of, of twisting a string one way or the other and, and keep my, my peep sights true from rotating, like keep them from kind of getting a mind of their own. Um, but I just make sure that I'm, I've before I lay the servings down. Um, so, yeah, that's why it's important to, you know, not deviate too far off from the twist rate from when it was built to when it's on the bow. Is there any relation to a left-handed or right-handed bow as to which way the string is twisted? No, not necessarily. Like, um, most bow strings, the, the individual strands of material... Um, as they come off the machines, they've got a natural clockwise, um, they've got a natural direction of twist and I'm sure it could be different from one manufacturer to the other. Um, so I always twist mine, I guess if you were to look down the string, I would end up twisting them clockwise to make them tighter. Um, and I mean, you can build them one way or the other. It's been proven that, you know, it has no relation to, um, right-handed or left-handed. Um, I know, uh, Parkinson strings. He, uh, he from up in Idaho, he did a series of tests to figure out which, what makes a bow or which makes an arrow as you fire it, as it comes out of the bow, what, what makes it spin clockwise or counterclockwise? Cause there, there's a lot of high speed video floating around of, um, you know, somebody with a right helical fletched arrow, and they shoot it out of the bow and it comes out of the bow spinning left. And as it gets out, like, you know, four or five yards out of the bow, the fletchings kind of take over and they start spinning it the opposite direction that it naturally was coming out. So everybody's trying to figure out like what causes this, what, what makes an arrow come out of the bow spinning left or what makes it come out of the bow spinning right. So he went through a series of tests of, you know, twisting them left-handed or right-handed. And it, if I remember correctly, it was like, it, kind of had a mind of its own like there was no definitive answer of what made that arrow come out of the bow spinning one direction or the other um end of the day the easiest thing to do is find out which way your arrows are coming out of the bow and fletch in that direction so for me all my arrows come out of my bow you know as i shoot they always spin left so i fletch everything with a left helical 
and how you determine that, if you're wondering, you know, you just take a bare shaft and index it, shoot it at point blank, and, and see which way the arrow is turning, and then step back another yard, shoot it again, and see if it went further, and then you'll get an idea of what direction that arrow is spinning as it comes out of the bow. So a lot of people have said over the years that it has 100% to do with the direction of twist on the string, and then some guys have proven it wrong, and then there's just so many other variables that cause it, like nobody really knows. Let's talk about um, putting loops and such on the string. What kind of um, problems can that create for, you know, a finely tuned bowstring? Um, so as far as, uh, like, with, with the D-loop, there's quite a few different materials out there. You have, um, so like for a handheld release aid shooter, so somebody is holding their release in their hand, um, I think it's a better practice to go with a really soft, flexible um, material that's pliable because as you draw back and your hand rotates into your anchor point, if you're using like a super stiff, rigid material, it'll, it'll twist the bowstring. And if you, if you knock up an arrow with a broadhead and draw it back and you twist your hand into your anchor point and you see those blades on the broadhead um, changing position, you know that your, your D loop is twisting your string um i feel like that's unfavorable i i don't want my anchor the way i hold my release is i come into position influencing that arrow it's hard to tune and it just it's going to open up your groups and you know broadhead flight might get bad it's just i don't think it's conducive to accuracy um so for handheld users i i highly recommend soft pliable flexible material um i don't know if they're making it again brownell Bowstring materials went out of business for a while, and I, I hear they're back in. But their LC material is what I really like to use. Um, but that type of material doesn't work well with some, like, caliper-type releases. Um, number one, like, some releases have got a small enough gap that a thin material could slip through, and that obviously can be a problem. Um, and it's also, it might not be as quick to load. Like, some guys, you know, want something that they can just, without hesitation drop the release down, click it on the string. So for guys shooting a, an open jaw caliper release, you know, you might want to go with a little bit larger diameter, a little bit stiffer material. Um, you, most wrist strap release shooters aren't, you know, gripping hold of the release and twisting it as they come back. So the torquing issue isn't really a problem. Um, but if, you know, depending on what type of release you shoot, I think should drive uh, what type of loop you should shoot. Uh, as far as the knot seat tie, um, most, I, I would suggest like 95% of the archery shops out there are using a cow hitch knot. Uh, personally, I like the clove hitch knot. Um, they look a little bit goofy if you're not used to them. Like a, a co-worker, um, Justin Schaefer, I, I built his bow for him this year. He lives up in Alaska and I um, shipped his bow up to him and He's just shooting awesome, like the best he's ever shot in his life, and he's just really getting along well with the bow. Well, he posted a picture of the the D-loop on social media, and all these guys were like, oh, somebody tied your D-loop wrong. Like, I tied it. I'm the one that tied it, and I use the cow hitch knot for a few specific reasons, and there are all these guys, like, telling me that I tie my D-loops wrong, but um, I like the cow hitch knot. Then you show them your gold medal. Yeah, like, you guys have one of these. Um, in my shop, I've got like a stack of the big novelty, like uh, Happy Gilmore checks from Matt tournaments I've won and placed at. You like, just take you a, have quick a stack photo of, of those, yeah. Yeah, I'll just send it to you. Um, <laughs> Tell me that why you like that specific knot. So, gosh, it, it'll it'll be hard to put words to it. Um, I think if you if you were to cruise through my Instagram, you'd probably see a few photos of where I've posted them. Um, at any rate, I, I like that, and I'm typically shooting an open hook style release. Carter Quickie is what I use uh, for hunting, and then for shooting matches, I usually use a, uh, a handheld hinge or back tension type release. Um, so I like the cow hitch or the clove hitch rather because um, the knock, like as I snap it on the string. I get nice, even contact on the top of the knock. Now, I only tie 
a knock set under the arrow knock. Some guys do them on top and bottom. I only do them on the bottom because that puts the release as I load up tension directly in line with the arrow. And so I get really flat contact on the top of the knock with the, with the clove hitch. And it also, um, when you tie a cow hitch, the, the, the part that you hook your release onto leads off of one side of the string or the other. So typically you have to alternate the knots to get them, um, to balance out or it's kind of, if you tied them both the same way, it'd be coming kind of off the side of the string. And so with the, with the clove hitch knot, it pulls from the exact center of the string. It doesn't route off of one side of the string or the other. And I, I just feel like you get more contact of the D loop material around the bowstring. So it doesn't pinch and separate your serving. Um, I know a handful of art, like professional archers that, that that's all they use. And I, and I probably picked it up from them somewhere along the lines, like, uh, Chris White in the UK, that's all he uses. Dave Cousins, um, I'm sure you've heard his name. That's all he uses. Um, I've I've exclusively tied that type of D loop for the last 15 years. So um, that's just my style. That's the way I do it. Like all the local archery shops around here, home in Utah Valley. Like if I work on somebody's bow and they walk into that shop, they can look right at the D loop and be like, oh, Kevin Wilkie tied that. Because I'm the only guy that ties them that way, um, around here anyway. But uh, no, it, it, like in the end, at the end of the day, is it really going to make or break you if you have a cow hitch D loop or a clove hitch? Probably not. Like, there's bigger things to be worried about. But you know, I'm I'm always looking for those little gains in my setup, and I feel like it gives me a little bit of an advantage. Definitely not night or day. Like I wouldn't be cutting your your D loop off right now to try it, unless you're in a position that you are in a test mode, but, um, at any rate, that's how I do it. Um, maybe I'll post up some fresh pictures or send them to you and then you can kind of, I don't know, guys can take a look. Let's talk about bow strings. Um, all the different bow manufacturers, everybody's, you know, putting on bow strings, but you always hear you want a custom bow string. Talk about have the companies over the years gotten better and better and better with the bowstrings that are you know provided on the bow or is it necessary that people get custom bowstrings well back when i was a kid when when you'd buy a new bow and it would come with a string um my string building journey started with learning how to retie the center servings anybody it's it's been around as long or longer than i have you know if you bought a bow back then it was a monofilament serving so I'd be out shooting a filled round or a 3D round and like, as it would wear down, um, it would like pop and it would zing and it would like, it would, the whole thing would come unraveled. And so, but then at that same time, a lot of companies like, uh, BCY and Brownell were coming out with like fast flight braided materials that you could use as a serving. And so it held a lot tighter and it wouldn't separate and it didn't wear out as quick quick but man I, I tell you what you know talking about those old monofilament servings like nothing felt as clean as a fresh freshly tied monofilament servings your knocks would slip on and just click it was such a satisfying sound and feeling but they just didn't they weren't re as reliable um as the braided servings that we're using now um at any rate uh so that that was like the start of my string building journey you know, as a kid, as, as I would be replacing those um, monofilament servings. And so as the years have rolled on, like everybody, like just competition drives, you know, people to be better. Um, like all the bow builders are, or they may be using an aftermarket company to build them or they're building their own in-house. Like most companies are, are building with top-of-the-line materials and they're building a fantastic bowstring. Like I've, I've shot, um, like this year in Vegas, competition i was shooting stock white strings i think the only thing i changed was the uh, center serving you know i that's the one thing i won't trust anybody else it's like the way i tie my center servings is like witchcraft like i have to I, I i don't trust anybody else's and that is like the most critical um patch of serving on the entire bow like this the end servings could be a little bit loose cable servings roller guard all that could be kind of so so not 100 percent 
But I'm telling you, if your center serving is like loose or moving, good luck. Like it can be that th- that can be devastating to you know accuracy on a shot. Like you'll be chasing your sights from start to finish. Is that is that D loop slides up the bowstring? Um, at any rate, kind of getting in the weeds, but a lot of the bow companies are building good strings. There's a lot of good bowstring builders out there. I don't really endorse any of them, but if I were you know, I, I've known Eric Griggs for years, like competed with him um, while I worked at Hoyt. He was on Hoyt's pro staff. Like, he's a great guy. He builds a fantastic bowstring. If I was going to go out and buy a bowstring right now, it'd probably be from him. And and he runs gas bowstrings. Um, and, and I'm not, like, there are so many good builders out there. It's like finding a good mechanic. Like, there's some good ones and there's some bad ones. But, like, if they're in business, they're probably, you know, like most of the string builders that are, not that good at it they're not going to stay in business so um a lot of good ones out there and some are a little better than others but i'm not afraid to shoot stock strings okay i've got uh one last question here on bowstrings and you you covered it a little bit uh both but i kind of want you to reiterate says how often should i wax my bowstring and how often should i change my string We've, you kind of covered both of those, but I want to go back to should people wax and how often to change. I mean, you said five shots or it could be, you know, 10,000 shots. Is it is it one of those things that about every year should someone go into a bow shop and just have someone look at it or, or how, you know, how would the yeah. layman, how would the layman, you know, say, hey, I might need a string? So... Yeah, yeah. Let me talk about you know how often you should change again. Um, typically, after the hunt is when your strings will look their worst. So at the end of the season, like going into the season, they should look pretty good. But just use those visual indicators I talked about. If you're seeing a lot of fuzz, wax won't fix it. If you're seeing serving separation, I should you should probably replace it. Um, like I, I had a set of strings on. It was a, a Hoyt Prevail Forty. I built that bow in late 2016 and I shot the same set of strings for the whole life of the bow. It's a silver um, Prevail 40. And I I bet you I I put more arrows through that bow than most of the guys listening to this podcast have put in in one of their, and there's probably a couple of guys who shot more than me. But anyway, like I had put a ton of arrows through that bow. I didn't even keep track, but I shot the same set of strings for three years and that's competing with it. Like, um, I was using a Vectran blended bowstring, like a 452X. And when I sold the bow, they, the, the kid that bought the bow for me is still using that same set of strings. They looked fantastic. Nothing wrong with them at all. Like, I, I probably wore out the bearings before I wore out the set of strings on that. And the one thing I was really careful about, I never let them brush up against anything. My pant leg or my quiver or my, I never touched them with my fingers, nothing. Like, I just, never touched them on anything they never had a speck of fuzz on them and they were a white waxless material that i that i got quite a while ago um so i had no wax on it and they looked perfect and they still do as long as he's kind of keep shooting it the way i did um that's a lot i mean three years of a lot of shooting is, is i mean they're they're probably i don't know depending on how much this guy's shot the bow since i since i sold it to him um it may be due for a new set, but the actual part of shoot the shooting of the string doesn't really wear them out if your cams are in alignment. What wears them out is outside contact of you know backpacks, ATV straps, you know rubbing. If you wax them and you're rubbing dirt into them, um, one thing I did talk about is like I'm sure people are wondering like, well, how do you waterproof it? Well, there's already enough wax in the material from the building process that's made that string waterproof. Um, if you're really worried about it, a test that I would do is soak them down, get them wet, like get a squirt bottle, simulate, you know, a downpour, soak them top to bottom and pluck them a couple of times, like something you would do while hunting and, and shoot them at 20, 30 yards and see if it even changes. Every time I've tried that, it's never changed my sight settings at all. So, um, yeah, as far as, 
the waxing them goes like if you're a firm believer in it and it's something you've always done and you just don't want to get out of the habit of it like keep doing what you're doing but like know that they're like most professional archers out there shooting the circuit right now don't wax their strings i'd probably say like 75 percent of them you go to vegas you walk down the championship line and ask every guy there if he waxes his bow strings um he'll probably tell you that it they'll probably tell you that they don't um now i know that that probably leads to the next question like oh that's not a hunting bow that's a target bow but competitive target archers are out in the same exact i've shot tournaments in far worse conditions than i've hunted in um you know rain downpour like i've shot in weight and in heat like i've, I've done it all and, and still I, I i stand on it that i i i don't i don't think it's necessary and, and you'll read your owner's manual and it'll tell you that you should you'll you'll talk to your string builder builder he'll tell you that you should well, if that's important to you, you know, listen to your string builder, listen to your manufacturer, but just know that there's a vast majority of professional archers out there aren't doing it. And it's not because they get free strings whenever they want. Um, also, when you act, when you apply a lot of wax to a bowstring and you get it all sided in and you get out on a hot day and that wax liquefies or you know, like heaven, like forbid that you leave your bow in your car. I do it every once in a while on accident and it gets hot. Like that's that wax will just liquefy. Like I've had my sight settings change because of that. Um, I've watched my bow going to Hungary, heading to the world championships, sit on the tarmac. It was like 110 degrees outside in a black bow case, sit on the tarmac of the airport for like six hours, just baking in the sun. And, I got to Hungary, pulled my bow out, and I could tell it had been hot. Like, uh, the wax, what little wax was in there had kind of leaked out of the of the string. I stepped up on the line, and um, sight marks were money. Like, didn't have to change a thing. Now, if I had sighted in with wax and all that wax melted out, like, I could see that I would have had to change sight scales or would have had to done, I would have had to done something to adjust for it, but Anyway, for for accuracy, consistency, and the longevity of the string, I, I feel like not waxing them makes them look better and it makes them last longer. Like I've seen bows come into the shops I've worked at. I seen I get bows coming to me all the time, and I'm telling you, the nastiest looking strings that I ever see coming in are the guys that wax them all the time. They're like, I don't know why my strings look like crap, but I wax them all the time. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna build you a new set, but try not waxing them this time. And when they come back, they're like, dude, I can't believe the difference it makes. They look so much better. Um, anyway, that's my personal experience with them. I'm not going to twist your guys' arms into not waxing your strings. You guys make the decision. Um, the one, one parallel and another sport that I kind of liken this to are guys cleaning their gun barrels. Like I shoot PRS rifle competitions and you talk to most of the good competitors there. They like, I hate cleaning my gun. It, it just screws them up. Like I never clean my rifle barrel. Like they clean the action and everything, but just like scrubbing the barrel clean, they don't do it. Um, anyway, that's kind of the wax in your bowstrings is kind of in the same camp as that. Kevin, that's awesome. That's going to conclude our kind of our part one on bowstrings. We've got a slew of other questions. I encourage the listeners to check out the part two.